Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 7 through 11 this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. And as you're standing, I mean, as you're uh, opening up there, let me just say how grateful I am to have Ronnie Cornut leading today and uh, also to have Marie Barnes leading from the organ today. Now, they are both leading here today because uh, Nathan and Lana are with our student choir. They're in um, Pigeon Forge this weekend, and they're there uh, serving on choir tour. So they'll be singing in another, uh, another church this morning. You can see them yesterday at Dollywood there, and uh, Nathan and Dolly sang Islands in the Stream yesterday at Dollywood, and uh, uh, so that was a big reason they chose to go there. So um, anyway, uh, you can see our great students. If you see some people missing today, there's a chance they're there on um, on choir tour. So sometimes people don't know. I'm joking. He did. They didn't do that. Nathan doesn't sing solo, so he doesn't like to sing solo. So that's Obviously, that's unrealistic. So uh, anyway, all that being said, uh, so thankful for our student choir, so thankful for uh, the opportunity they have to go and sing and serve the Lord in this way and be praying for them as they come back to Gadsden this afternoon. Well, if you have your Bibles open there to 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, we're going to read down into verse 11. Why don't you stand with me, if you don't mind, out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 7. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the old and new command to love one another. And oh God, we pray that you would allow your love to grow in our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It really couldn't be more simple. Uh, There are a few things in the world that are more simple than what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Ronnie read a portion of this for us earlier, but it bears repeating even now. A new commandment, our Lord said, I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, Jesus said, you also are to love one another By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is what Francis Schaeffer famously called the mark of the Christian. 
in this little booklet he wrote there, he says there are all sorts of ways that Christians have sought to signify that they're Christians over the years. But the most important symbol, the most important signifier that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us is the symbol of love, that we love one another. Maybe the Beatles summed it up well when they said, all you need is love. It really couldn't be more simple, but there's another profound sense in which it really couldn't be more complicated. We recognize that loving one another is harder than it seems. A lot of us have an easy time saying, oh, of course I love people, right? Of course I love people. But what about that person that did that thing to you? What about that person that cut you off in traffic? What about the people that are near to you in any given moment? One of the brothers, Karamazov, uh, Ivan Karamazov, said it like this. I could never understand how one could love one's neighbor. In my opinion, it's precisely those who are near to us that it is impossible to love. You see, it's an old commandment. It's one we all know. It's one we hear from the moment we are rocked in the nursery at church. It's something our parents teach us when we're really small and little. We don't say the word hate. We are called to love one another. It's an old commandment, but it also must be a new commandment, something we are reminded of regularly. Love one another. It can't be something we just keep in the attics and closets of our minds and hearts. It can't be something we simply take for granted. It's a truth. It's a reality that we have to remind ourselves of so often because our hearts have such a tendency to calcify. Our hearts have such a tendency to grow cold. Our love has such a tendency to be snuffed out. We need to be reminded. Love one another. It's so simple and so complicated. And thus, I would argue it's a perfect test. John repeats a series of three tests in this book to help us think through whether or not we have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The the first test is the moral test, uh, the test of whether or not we obey God's commandments. We talked about that some last week. The, The second test is the test that we are looking at today, and it's the test of love. It's the social test. The third test he mentions is a doctrinal test. Do we believe rightly? And so as we look at all these things today, we turn our hearts and minds to this perfect, simple, and yet complicated test. It's hard and complicated enough that it's something that we clearly need God's help in. If if it were easy to love one another, right, If it were easy to love one another, I suppose sin wouldn't be as rampant as it is. If if it's so simple to love, and God says that the Lord Jesus says that the law is summed up simply in, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest command. It's hard and complicated enough that we clearly need God's help. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Only through the gospel and by the Spirit can we truly love. But it's also simple enough, which makes it a great test, that it's something we can actually evaluate. A heart that loves cuts out room for hatred. And so as we begin to evaluate our own hearts and think through our own hearts, we recognize it's something that's hard enough that we need God's help in, and yet it's something simple enough that we can know pretty quickly whether or not we have love or hate toward one another in our hearts. 
This morning, I simply want to show you three points on living out love. Some of you Alan Jackson fans, I didn't say living on love. I said living out love. That is three points that will help us all grow in living out the love of God. Three, three points this morning on living out love. Here's the first. Living out love. That is, living a life of love is essential in a dark world. Living out love is essential in a dark world. John, as you've, I've already alluded to, begins this little passage by speaking of the old and new command to love one another. And so as we hear this, perhaps some of us are almost like, here we go again on love. I get what he's trying to say. I get what the Bible's trying to do. And that's all well and good in Bible times or for Bible people, right? I mean, if you're an apostle and you're in the early church, some of these people might have even known Jesus personally, maybe we think. Maybe that's easy for them to love, but they don't understand the world we live in. That They don't understand what it's like to live in the darkness of America during this time. They don't understand about the encroaching secularism. They don't understand about how the world really is. I appreciate all this Pollyanna love stuff, and I can see how there might be a time when we ought to live that way, but we need some practical stuff. We need some stuff that's made of stronger stuff. Love seems so impractical in a dark world, we might say. But notice how in his language, John is making sure that we understand that he understands exactly, I mean precisely, where we live. I don't want you to think for a moment that the world in which you live is any darker than the world in which Jesus and the apostles lived. My, my friends, the world's been dark ever since Genesis chapter 3. There's always been a dark world. There's always been sin in the world. I don't know. I, I would encourage you to go read the Old Testament. You can find some darkness in the Old Testament, can you not? Find some tough stuff talk about encroaching secularism encroaching paganism this is the story of God's people Israel the command is old John tells them in that it's and I think what he means by this is that it's the core of the law and something even John's Gentile Christian hearers would have known from the beginning of their life as Christians, this was probably part of the catechetical uh, formula, part of what they learned to love one another in their earliest, most rudimentary, uh, most rudimentary discipleship moments. In other words, when they were in RAs and GAs, they learned that they're supposed to love one another. All these little sunbeams in the church that John is writing to know that we're supposed to love one another. And on top of that, he recognizes the old commandment because it's also a, a commandment that was really embedded in the law that we love one another, the Mosaic law. But it's new in the sense that it needs to be applied afresh. And Jesus himself called it a new commandment. So why does it need fresh application? Why does it need to be reminded as a new command? John says this, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. In other words, we live, in other words, we live between two worlds a world of darkness that is passing away and a world of light the kingdom of God that is growing in every moment since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ the true light is already shining listen I understand that Christians are troubled 
by the darkness in the world. I think we ought to be troubled by the darkness in the world. It feels like a Pandora's box of challenging and troubling issues has been unleashed in the world. And we look out in the world, we watch the news, and we see the way that the sexual revolution marches on. Gun violence seems to be ever-increasing in lots and lots of different ways. Racial tensions feel like they're constantly, at least at a slow simmer, and frequently flaring up. And then you add to all of that the near-constant evolution of sexual identities and gender identities, and it can feel nearly overwhelming to Christians who are trying to live faithfully in the world we live in. It feels like everywhere we turn, there are challenges to our faith, really, from every direction. On top of all that, when we start trying to think about what it might look like to solve some of these problems, our world feels more divided than ever. Not only about solving the problems, but about even how we should talk about solving a problem. I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I find myself fearful and frustrated and even worried about the world in which we live. And I understand many of you feel like your backs are against the wall. Like, like many of you feel like the world's out to get us, and perhaps the world is. Tr- trying to get us, trying to get our kids, trying to get our grandkids. What are we, we might ask, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We are going to live as if the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That's what we'll do. Notice what John says. He is writing this new commandment, this reminder to love one another because of that reality. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Fear, we've all been afraid. Worry, who here doesn't worry? Anger, lashing out, mean-spiritedness. This is the fruit of those who live as if the darkness is winning. But the darkness is not winning. The true light has come into the world. If the Lord Jesus Christ truly raised from the dead, if we sincerely believe that a new age began when He stepped out of the grave, if we are truly the people of the risen King, if sincerely we believe the gospel is true and is working itself out in the world, if indeed the true light is already shining, then our response to a dark world is to live out love. Some seem to want to say that the world is too dark not to fight, not to be angry, not to play by the world's rules. I say because I think the Bible says that the light of the gospel is too bright and that the dawn is so clearly breaking that we cannot afford not to live out love like our Lord Jesus Christ did. This is what overcomes the world, the gospel of love. My friends, a dark world needs the love of Christians more than ever. More than ever. Living out love is essential in a dark world. But second of all, living out love is impossible with a dark heart. Living out love is impossible with a dark heart. I'm going to tell you what's easy. It's easy to say that we're Christians. I mean, it is amazing 
What a broad spectrum of beliefs, what a broad spectrum of thought, what a broad spectrum of behavior will claim. People in all these categories will claim to be Christians. It's an easy claim to make, and lots of people make the claim. In fact, if you've ever tried to do much evangelizing, much talking to people about the gospel, especially here in the South, especially somewhere like Gadsden, then you're going to find that most people want to tell you that they're a Christian. And so John here is trying to cut through the noise of the talkers. Whoever it was that was troubling those he's writing to, he's trying to cut through the noise of those who talk about knowing God and give some practical help on what it really means to know God. Whoever, John tells us, says he is in the light. That is, those who are talking about it, right? Those who are claiming to be Christians. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, is still in darkness. Now, listen, I want you to know something. Love is impossible without God's help. Love is impossible without gospel transformation. Love is impossible with a dark heart. Sure, of course, we can love a child, we can love a spouse. Don't, don't mishear me. I'm not saying all love is impossible, but the kind of love, the kind of radical love that the Bible is calling us to, loving one another, loving our fellow man, loving those who are up close, loving our neighbor, this is not something we can do apart from the help of the Lord. Some might say, I hear what you're saying, preacher, and I do agree with you that people ought to love. But I'm convinced, based on what I see, someone might say, that the world does a better job than the church at love and acceptance. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Ask any number of celebrities or other people who have been canceled and hated for having the wrong view or belief or for their mistakes. Ask them if the world's better at love. Ask J.K. Rowling how she's been treated by folks who adored her just a few years ago for making simple statements against the transgender revolution. Ask the people in the world today who are still hated because of where they're from. Ask the people in the world today who are still hated because of the color of their skin. Ask the president who has people who chant regularly about how much they hate him. Ask the Christians around the world who are persecuted for their faith. Ask the people who are on the wrong side of the world how much the world loves them, how good the world is at love. You see, the world does great with tolerance until it's time to actually be tolerant. The world does great with love until we differ or disagree, and then love goes out the window. And that's because, why? Because love cannot come from a dark heart. Here's what I want to press on you from this text. I don't know another way to preach it. I don't know another way to read it. Every one of us here need to look in the mirror today. You need to look deeply into the mirror of the Word of God and ask yourself whether or not it is exposing hate in your heart. We as Christians need to evaluate what we, if there are things that we hate that we allow to fester because of excuses that we make. You see, not only is this an old commandment, but it's a commandment we need to be reminded of. We can say we are in the light all we want, 
But the one who hates his brother is still in the darkness. There is a temptation for people like us who feel like we read the Bible rightly, and I think we do, generally speaking. I'm sure the Lord's going to straighten us out on some issues when we get to heaven, but generally speaking, the way we believe and the way we preach and the way we teach the Bible is the way it's meant to be taught. The way it's meant to be preached. We believe in the gospel. We believe the Bible's true. We're going to stand on the truth no matter what. But there's a temptation for us to think that as long as we are right, as long as we're believing rightly, as long as we believe the right things, as long as we're not believing like those people or doing what those people do, as long as that we are right, that we are in the light. Right doctrine, right beliefs, right living, all these things makes us walking in the light. We have a temptation to believe. I've learned over the years that love covers a multitude of sins, but believing you're right covers up a multitude of sins. That we will make excuses because we feel like we're right. You see, we can be doctrinally right. We can be correct in all of our thinking and still be in the darkness if we do not live out love, if we still hate our brothers in their heart. And let me ask you this question. If you claim to love, if you claim to not hate, and everyone who fits in your category of love is someone you generally agree with or that you generally think is right as well, are you really loving the way the Bible calls you to love? Or are we just doing what the world does? Loving until we disagree. Loving until we don't like someone's policies. Loving until we see the wrong sign in their yard. Loving until they treat us in this way. Loving until they act like that. Loving until we realize something about them that makes us uncomfortable. Or are we willing to love radically and to live out love no matter what? That's the sort of love that comes out of a heart that's been transformed. Brothers and sisters, we are called to live out love by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Living out love is essential in a dark world. Living out love is impossible with a dark heart. And finally, living out love is born out of the light. The other day, Whitney and I were riding in the car, and I was telling her that over the years, I've realized something about myself. My goals and ambitions have shifted. They've shifted. Now listen, I have uh, no desire to be anything but orthodox. I have no desire to believe anything but the Bible. I have no desire to preach anything but the gospel. In that sense, I am uh, radically unchanged. But somewhere along the last decade of my life, a shift has happened in my heart. And I've realized that my main goal, I was telling her, the legacy that I hope I leave is to live a life of love. I think a decade ago, I might have seen that as trite or oversimplistic or, 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 or I would have felt the desire to kind of defend. But you understand what I mean, you know, by that. I really mean the biblical. No, I, I really am at a place now where my heart's desire is to live a life of love. And, and let me just tell you something. I think I can check every doctrinal box. I, I think I can preach 
not with the tongues of angels, you know, but maybe the shoe tongues of angels, maybe I can preach. You know, I, I think I could do all these things, but if I have not love, I'm a clanking gong or a noisy symbol. I, I think to live the life I want to live, to live a life of love, I must have God's help. I, I've seen big churches built, and in hindsight, it doesn't look like they were built with the help of the Lord. I, I've seen big ministries built, and in hindsight, it looked like they were a house of cards that man built. I, I've seen lots of things done without the help of the Lord. I've never seen a life of genuine love, gospel love, the life of Christ being lived out in love in a person's life when it wasn't done with the help of God. Living out love is born out of the light and the light alone. Uh, some of you may be looking in your heart right now and saying, I don't have the love there that I need. I feel that way so often. You might say there's more hate in my heart than there ought to be. But I want to say something to you this morning. There is hope. My friends, there is hope for you. God will help you grow in love. He has helped you grow through love, grow in love through Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us here that to truly love our brother is a sign that we are abiding in the light and that we are aiding others in abiding in the light. You are no cause for stumbling, he tells us in verse 10, when we are living our life in the light. Do you see what he says? Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Make no mistake, my friends. Hatred is born out of the darkness of sin, and it remains in the darkness. But the true light brings love into our hearts, and it leads us to live out love. Now, we must be careful. In, in this, like in everything else, there is counterfeit love out there. We have to be careful. There's counterfeit love out there. God is love, is what First John tells us, but we have to remember love is not God. Everything that claims to be love, everything that looks like love, does not necessarily mean it's from the Lord. There's counterfeit love love out there. Fake love claims to be in the light but leaves brothers and sisters in the dark. It's all acceptance and no truth. We must, brothers and sisters, we must tell the truth. Christians must be truth tellers. We can never stop telling the truth. No matter how bad it might seem, no matter how ugly it might look, no matter how frustrating it might be to people, no matter how hard and difficult it may be at times to tell the truth, Christians must be truth tellers if we are going to live out love born out of the light. But we also have to be so careful not to go so far in the opposite direction and become all truth and no love. There are so many things you can accomplish with that sort of legalism, with that sort of approach, but it cannot give birth, it cannot lead to genuine, authentic love. It won't lead us to love God, and it sure won't lead us to love our neighbor if we live in that way. 
You see, the only thing that can lead us to genuinely living out love is the help of God that's given to us through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that can help us is the good news of a Savior who loved the unlovable at the very expense of his own life. He laid down his life in love. The only thing that can help us grow in love is the gospel of perfect grace, the gospel of perfect forgiveness, the good news of perfect love in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, could it be more simple? (laughs) Love one another, our Lord tells us. It's an old commandment one that frames the life of all of those who trust in the one true God. The most fundamental thing that we have been taught as Christians, love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. By this they will know that you are my followers, by the love you have for one another. It's an old commandment. But it's also a new commandment. And it's one that shapes the life of those who live in the twilight of the sin-caused fall and the dawn of the coming kingdom of God. I love God, you say. I am so thankful for the light in a dark world. It's so simple to say. It's so easy to say. But the doing of it, the reality of it, the boots on the ground can be more complicated. Uh, Loving one another is hard. It it means loving the unlovable, loving those you disagree with, loving those who frustrate you. I don't know, maybe it's even as radical as loving our enemies. But consider the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved rebels, sinners, those even who spat in his face and tore his beard, those who he knew would continue, continue in the years to come to reject him. Nonetheless, the Lord Jesus loved them. He loves us, even a group like us. This love is radical, but it's desperately needed in a dark world. This love is challenging, and it's impossible with a dark heart. This love is possible, though. This love in fact, is expected. This love grows and flourishes and is beautiful. This love transforms hearts and lives and households and churches and communities. It transforms the world when it comes from a heart that's alive in the light of Christ. It may seem impossible, it may seem far-fetched, but the good news is that we have hope in knowing that we love. We love. And our love may be cold, our love may be dusty, our love may be old. We may need a good dose of remembering that it's a new commandment. Our love may be tired, our love may be lukewarm, our love may barely even be coals, hardly even embers in the fire anymore. But my friends, we don't love because we're so good. We don't love because it's the right thing to do. We don't love just because we've been told to love. We love because He first loved us and that's a love that never grows cold a love that will never die and a love that will recreate radical love in the hearts of those 
who love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never trusted and experienced the love of Jesus for the first time, what a joy it would be for me today to introduce you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, all you have to do right now is turn from your sins and repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus, and I believe you will be saved. So if you need someone to talk to, though, I'll be right down here waiting on you, but you can pray even where you are, even right now, and ask the Lord to save you. Second of all, you may be a believer, and you may say, Pastor, I've got some things to evaluate in my own heart. If you need someone to talk to, you come catch me here, or you catch me after the service. I'd love to talk to you, pray with you, or you can do business with the Lord right where you are. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. Oh, what a joy it would be uh, for me to talk to you this morning about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I'd love to meet you right down front. I want to invite you to come when we're done praying. Let's pray together.